Happy New Year. And may the blessing of the Lord grace your life. It was the beloved Apostle of John that wrote, that may you prosper and be in health. And he actually says in the King James, above all else. In other words, as a priority, as a premium in your life, God wants you blessed. And he connects it <clears throat> to your soul. The reason for that is, is because your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and, you know, and how you grasp life and, and the health that's happening in you and your visual and your understanding is going to affect your decisions. It's going to affect, you know what I mean, how you handle you know, any given uh, element of, of life and whether or not it turns to be positive or negative. Okay? So that's why he connects it to your soul. He doesn't connect it to the spirit realm there. You know what I mean? Because the spirit realm, we're born again, but then it has to make its influence and its effect into the, the arena that is kind of the, the motherboard. Your soul is kind of the motherboard of, of, of you know, the outflow of, of your life. And so he says, you know, that there is a, God wants you to be prosperous in spirit, soul, and body above all else. All right? So God has, you know, a positive and really interested in, in how well you're doing. And because those are real parts of your life, you know, you know God's concerned about it and, and is interested and, uh, uh, you know, wants you to prosper in that area. And so, you know, a lot of times we need to concentrate on getting our soul healthy. You know, your soul, you know what I mean? If, if, uh, you know, the soul has many, many ups and downs, but if you can keep it healthy so it's not sick, it's just like a disease, just like it happens to your body, a cold that happens to your body, it takes a toll on it. And so your soul will take a toll on, on you know, uh, your whole life. And then, of course, the blessing uh, of the Lord that he wants to put in there. So, Father, this morning, we pray for the health of our soul. Uh, God, that, that, that our minds are going to have a renewing in them. Lord, that there will be a fresh spirit uh, of the Holy Spirit and the authority of the Word of God that's, that's, that's creating our thought life and, and it's monitoring, you know what I mean, uh, its interpretations. Father, we just pray for that, that in Jesus' name. God, our, our, our will. God, those, those decision-making processes. And, and Father, that fortitude, this, that, that element that, that we either get behind it or we don't. We pray for a, a stronger will uh, in relationship to uh, obeying and in, in uh, coming under your will, Father. As you reveal it to us, we just say yes to it. And God, for, for that emotional part, Father, uh, it's such an uh, important, valuable, and, and, and uh, relevant, God. We, we want to be a people that's touched. God, we want to be a people that's touched in a healthy way. And so, Father, I pray for the health of our, our emotions. God, that they're not erratic, Father, but they're stable. God, and, and the, just there that, that the, the fruit of the Spirit would just be totally manifested in that, the, and that the kingdom, which is, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, would, would just be the dominant factor, Father, we pray. And so this year, in Jesus' name, Father, I ask you and I thank you that you've already released, but let it, God, not be interrupted as prosperity and blessing and the goodness of the Lord comes to every one. Father, we pray. Lord, we want to dedicate our lives. We don't want to just, we just don't want to grab life and use it in God and, and just uh, be nonchalant uh, uh, without recognizing where life comes from. Life comes from you. The breath that we're breathing this morning, Father, you're the one that is given to us. We acknowledge that. Father, in the very temple that we live in, the body that we have, the families that we have, the jobs that we, that we work in, God, the abilities that we have, God, it's all you. And we want to acknowledge that. And as we do that, acknowledge it, God, uh, we believe, Lord Jesus, that we'll be healthier. So we just uh, bless this 2017 with John's blessing that it 
prosper and be in health. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Amen. You know God's called us to be blessers, so you need to run around blessing people. Out, you know? Uh, you bless the Lord, you bless people, just be a, be a blesser. Uh, he broke the curse, so you, you, you just, you know, you bypass that one, get rid of that one, you know, and get the blessing in, in their life. All right, for the next three Sundays, I'm going to talk about, you know what I mean, some interesting things, I think, at least for me, and it's got to be, not going to be new to you. Uh, probably some clarity uh, as we move into 2017 uh, with regard to, to, to this particular body, this uh, local church, uh, and uh, uh, to, to understand, uh, you know, number one, not just what this church is about, but the church itself, what it is it about, and then we'll, we'll really define uh, uh, some of the things that God has has spoken to my heart that I was able to, to pen out that, that uh, I believe that God wants his church uh, to be. Because God has a vision for his church. The prophet Zechariah said this in 10 and 12. He says, I will make them strong in the Lord, and they shall walk in his name. Well, you begin to understand, you know what I mean, what about that name? His name is above every other name. It's, it's a name that's been given all power. I mean, you know, we're walking in a dimension uh, you know what I mean? That, that independent of Jesus Christ, we're not able to walk in. But because we are connected, there is a, there's a realm and there is anointing uh, that, that comes. And uh, now I don't know for sure if you understood or, or relate to, you know, uh, there's a new and fresh anointing, walk through the open door, you know, uh, uh, you comprehend that in your life. But, you know, whenever God moves you, he, he moves you with an anointing. Whenever God moves you, he, he moves you with ability and, and uh, you know, uh, the assistance of himself in it. So you never have to worry about, you know, uh, it, it being, it can be too big for you, but it's not too big for you in him. All right? It's not too big for you in him. So uh, anyway, uh, uh, today we want to do that. Uh, I'm going to have some scriptures, Andy, if we could. Uh, I don't know which one we got up there first. It doesn't make a whole lot of difference which one's first. Okay. Uh, Acts 20, therefore take heed to yourself and to all the flock. Okay, so there he's talking, you know what I mean, to the leadership of the church. You know, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now, to shepherd the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. There's two words there, the church of God, and it's been purchased with his own blood. You know, the responsibility there. Next verse, please. Paul writes and says, you know what I mean? I want to write to you and tell you, you know, some things because I'm not, I'm not there yet. And so till I get there, here's how, here's some instructions for you. If I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. Anybody have any conduct in your house? That's what Paul's saying. Yep. Which is the church of the living God. And then here, you know, the importance of it because it's the pillar and the ground of truth. Amen? All right. I think it's one more. And then when I just, I read this one already. So I will strengthen them in the Lord and they shall walk up and down in his name, says the Lord. There's a law of purpose. The law of purpose states that unless you know the purpose, the purpose of a thing or the purpose of whatever, you will be likely to either neglect it Misuse it or abuse it. If you don't know its purpose. And so, I want to start out with the purpose of the local church. Why the local church? In relationship to just the church as being the universal local church. Church, And I would ask you to turn, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't have a turn in your memory, 
uh, at least from, from your days of, you know, of, of teaching, to Matthew chapter uh, 13. And two parables I'm going to read to you. You'll be familiar with them when I, when I read them to you. Jesus is walking through, you know, the mysteries of the kingdom. And in the process, he is doing parables. And parables are for a purpose to reveal a truth and also seclude a truth. To keep the truth hidden. I speak to you in parables because it's for you to know. I speak to you in parables because it's not for them to know. And so, you know, understanding the parable, you know, uh, and the purpose of it, of course, has, has twofold. And so he says again, again, another uh, parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Verse 45, he steps into a, a, a similar parable and says, again the, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. And when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all, all that he had and he bought it. Beautiful passage of scripture. And invariably what you have heard and this preached on is that the pearl of great price and this treasure hidden in the field is your salvation. And so you as an individual, you know what I mean, saw this great treasure and you decided that you wanted it and so you expended it all in order to get it. Well, I want to shake your theology up a little bit this morning. Number one, what do you have or did you have by which to buy anything? What did you have that you owned that you could sell and turn it into a purchasable commodity? Because both of them sold all that they had to purchase this, this treasure. And then if you did, what is the field that you bought? Because the treasure is in the field. So therefore, this parable is not your salvation. This treasure, or this parable, is about something totally different. It's not something that you did. It's something that God did. He is very clear. He says that the field is the world. And so he bought the field or the world because there was something in the field or in the world that was of value and great price. But it was hid. It was kept out of the way. He sold everything he had. To buy it. Well, we can go through the the process of how that man had given to, or God had given to man the earth, and how that Satan, you know what I mean, was able to barter it and uh, steal it from the adversary, and so then, therefore, it does need to be repurchased. So God, through His Son Jesus Christ, that is God selling everything in order to purchase one thing. Something that he saw in the earth. And I want to submit to you this morning that what he saw in the earth was the church. Because Acts 20 and 28 says, it is the church that he purchased with his own blood. 
It is not just purely the redemptive of mankind, but it is also the placement of mankind. The church I got to read it here. The church is to the kingdom what the family is to the human race. It gives placement and identity. He purchased the whole world. See, if it's not his, he cannot set as judge over it. You can't just usurp authority. You can't just step in any place and, you know, you have to have a legal right to it. You can't judge the wrong of somebody, you know what I mean, if that person does not belong to you. You can't eradicate and change the earth if the earth doesn't belong to you. He's not a bully. You know what I mean? He doesn't just, you know, exercise a new serp authority that's not his to exercise. And so the father saw that in this human sea, saw something that was possible that needed redemption. In order to do it, you have to buy the whole field. You can't just buy the treasure or, or the pool, the, the pearl, excuse me. Hallelujah. So this is why I'm so sold. One of the reasons why I'm so sold, I'm so excited, you know, and believe in the church. And I believe in, the, in all the arms of the church. Okay. Today we're going to, in this, we're going to talk a lot about the, the, the local church. But I believe that the, the, the church has, you know, so many arms that are connected to it. Just as the body has many members and facilitates of it being connected to, to it. It's the, one, it's the one thing that can never be defeated. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's the only entity that he says that it's impossible for the demonic forces to win against. The church. He's paid a high price for it. See to it in your care to do it right because there's a great value on it because he's purchased the church with his own blood. Oh, hallelujah. The individually, we're Christians. Corporately, we're the church corporately we're the church the a place that we go to no the church is not a building though it congregates in a building it's not an organization though it is organized the church is a household it's a family. It's made up of sons and daughters. That's relationship. And the church is the messenger of life. It's the messenger of life. The same message that Jesus brought when he came was the message of life. You see, without the local church, the universal church is not practical. Without a local church, the universal church is not practical. It's just something in the air. But the local church is where you practice church life. Church life. 
It says that he's going to present unto himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. And there's just going to be all kinds of local churches in that day that are going to make up that one universal church, glorious church. But remember, Paul wrote to Timothy, he says, he says, you have a vital role, a vital importance, you know, in your community because you are the pillar and the ground of truth. We must not fail in our mission. We must understand our purpose. We are people of truth. We have a book of truth. We are the voice of truth. We are the very foundation of truth. The pillar. Pillars are used for erection. Ground of truth, of course, is that's that basic fundamental foundation of things. The church. The church that you go to. It's the practicality of the universal church. It's the body of Christ. The body of Christ is expressed in the local church. Oh, yes. In the local church, the practical administration of its government is realized in the local church. In other words, we don't have, there are those segments that have a, a pontiff, so to speak, that's head overall, but by and large, the, uh, the majority of churches don't have that. They have local governments. And the execution of the apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, you know, teacher, the helps, the uh, 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 mercies, the functions of membership all transpires and takes place within the framework somehow of the local church, whether not so much when you gather, but when you out in your field of, of mission. In the local church, you get to practice and through the needs of the local church, things are met. They, the church. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, that he's chosen the church to make known the manifold wisdom of God. You have a role. You have a purpose. And when we understand our purpose, you know what I mean? We can engage our, engage our purpose. The law of purpose. Hebrews chapter 10, 25, he says that this, this church... And this gathering is vitally important. It says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I'm grateful for your faithfulness. Let me tell you that right up, okay, front, okay? But it says there's going to be a move. There's going to be a tendency to, to, to not gather like you should. Some people are going to start to, you know, be more reluctant. He said, don't fall into that camp. You need to get together more as the day is approaching. All right? Need to come together more. Now, you know, I'm not a legalist, and so I'm not saying that, you know what I mean, the only place that you can come together is when Bible Center Church's doors are open. But as believers, you know what I mean, we need to come together corporately, but then as believers, we need to come together family-wise also. church, the called out ones, the assembly, so valuable to God that he sold everything in order for it to be able to exist. The local church is the place of the primary expression of God's love and grace and truth to the world. We wrote that in 1 Timothy chapter 3. The reason that we exist. The reason for our, our, our being. The local church is a distribution center. 
God has set in the church various gifts, various talents, and you get to then, you know, contribute throughout the expression of the local church. The local church is designed so you can experience a special presence of Jesus. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. It's not a replacement for your, for your personal time with the Lord. It's your personal time. But it's an addition to, you know what I mean? So that the presence of everybody can come together, you know, and enhance the touch and the spirit of the Lord in its midst, particularly not only for the membership, but for the outsider that might come in. It's the presence of the Lord. Because notice what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. In whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. It gets better. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. If we're never together, it's hard to get built together. Right? But when we're together, you know, we find that niche or that connection. And the flow then begins to happen between the members of, of course, that one body. Unto the church at... Corinth, there was an address, there was a membership, there was a point or place of delivery. At the church of Ephesus, Paul sends a letter. Revelations to the seven churches, there's a letter sent. The church at Smyrgus, the church at Ephesus, the church at Philadelphia, the church, you know what I mean? Wherever there was a letter, somebody could deliver it to them. The church. And every church, of course, has its membership, has its assignment. Every church, of course, also gets its personal address. Address meaning not just, you know, W3733. I'm talking about, you know, under the church of Ephesus, here's what I write. You are doing fantastic. When I look at you, you are amazing. P.S. I have one thing against you. You need to do better in loving me. Your works are really good. But our relationship is in trouble. <laughs> Hello? Yeah? Then he goes on and writes to one of the other churches and he said, You know, he said, You're really in a quandary. You're right in the midst and the heat of things, you're in the battle. I've got you in the city center, and right next to the city center, I know where the throne of Satan is. He's organizing, you know what I mean, and plotting against the things of the kingdom and the spiritual things. He's writing laws. He's making it, you know what I mean, much difficult. More difficult. It was a letter, letter to them. You know what, church? Times change, life changes, things have changed. They're going to change. We got to learn how to live in the land. When God took the children of Israel and He gave them the land, He said, I'm going to leave some people around because you don't know how to live in it. 
And they're going to teach you how to live in it. The purpose of them is not to dilute you or cause you to have, you know, where you're conforming your, your truths and your, your, your beliefs. But you need to know how to handle the beasts that are in the land. Now, we don't have beasts in our land, do we? But we do have some beasts, don't we? <laughs> Called the beasts of Ephesus. Yeah. And so, so there, are, there are things that, that as a church we have to learn from those that are around us. Because if you don't learn how to handle the land, the land will handle you. That's what he told the children of Israel. The land will handle you. But there's some people in the land that I'm going to leave there just specifically. And we're trying to get rid of these people out of our lives. And God says, I'm trying to have them in your life so that you can learn how to handle life. It'd be nice if it was just you and the Holy Spirit, but it isn't. Because the Holy Spirit wants to use some people to teach you how to live in the land. Absolutely. And he gives the case scenario, you know what I mean? He uses the analogy of the lions that were in the land. He said you'd be overrun by them. But anyway, such is the case. The church, it, it, it has a valid place in society. And we have to go ahead and understand that, you know, we have a role. And we'll make a commitment, and, you know. And we're going to fulfill our purpose. We come together, you know, we're going to do our best to make sure that the presence of the Lord is here. That we're, we're blended, we're unified, we're united. We have one head. We have one Lord, one faith, and one, one baptism. There's a lot of peripheral stuff, but there's one solid reason why we come together, and that's to glorify Jesus Christ. And that to be messengers of life in a world of death and be encouragers and a society that just, you know, drains people. I'm not here just for me. I'm here for you. And you're not here just for you. You're here for them. Come on, somebody help me out here. Absolutely. You know, and whatever joint supplies. Got to make sure that we don't have vacancy signs. This is not about church attendance, please. This is about being a body. When one member suffers, they all suffer. This is a relationship shut that the connection is such that, you know what I mean? And you got something going on, then I'm going on with it. You got something that's, that, you know what I mean, that, that's really good happening in your life, let me know about it so I can go ahead and rejoice with you. Blessing to come into your house, tell me about it because that just makes me stronger. Because we're one. It says that we're to be united in worship, and I, I'm so grateful for our worship, and so grateful for that you're worshiping people. We never want to lose that. Never want to lose worship. Here's what it says this togetherness. He says, I will give you thanks in the great assembly. It's about the only time I get to hear worship because, you know what I mean, if I would turn worship on, you know, in the house, they, they, they come and they turn it down. 
because I can't hear it, you know what I mean? But here I can hear it. Now, now some of you ears, got better ears than that. You don't need it that loud, okay? You don't need it that loud, but give me a break. Well, yeah, I need it that loud <laughs> in order to hear it. I mean, it, it, it's, then I can get it, you know? But he says, in the assembly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and I'm going to give you thanks. I will praise you among many people. I love private worship. You know what I mean? And many people love their private, their private time. But corporate worship is not just for you. It's for everybody. And corporate worship is not just for God. It's for the people. It says in Psalms 1 and 7, with my whole heart, and in the assembly of the upright and the, in the congregation, I'm going gonna to praise them. Hmm? It can get a little bit noisy. It can get a little bit excited. I mean, especially today, you know what I mean? If, if the Green Bay Packers beat the Detroit, Detroit Lions, look out! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> we got a future! <laughs> <coughs> Everybody gets excited about a future. You know? And sometimes, you know what I mean? It's just one game away. One win away. From the ecstatic worship to just, I worship you because of who you are. The other thing is, I'm going to praise you for what you've done. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me. There's so much that happens. Vision for 2017. Let me, let me put in right here what we're, Jan told you a little bit what, about what we're doing, but this will fit before I get to the particulars 2017. 2017, we are launching, if you know what I mean, a foundation and the, the work uh, aspect of our youth and our young people. Um, God is, you know what I mean? We've, we've, we've been there. We've tried to facilitate it. It hasn't always just, you know, hasn't always, you know, taken wings. But in 2017, we have a couple, young couple that uh, come back to us and we've invited them to become our, our youth leaders and, you know, young people because it goes down pretty low and that's Doug and Tanya Leckler. Would you stand? This morning, give them a nice warm welcome and around. Hey, man, if you you know him, we've Doug has been around us, you know, forever, uh, right from a little guy, and that I, that's that's great, you know, because we know him, he knows us, you know, and then he married this. Beautiful lady, seriously, you know. I wouldn't even think about Doug without Tanya, all right? <laughs> and that's, you wouldn't think about me without my wife either, so don't be so hard on us. <laughs> I mean, if you want to see things a mess without my wife in this church, oh, dear Jesus. I would show up because I'm very timely, you know, but there would be no checking account. There would be no bills paid there. I mean, you know, well, you say we'll put somebody else in it. Yeah, yeah, those, that's not a good idea. But anyway, uh, welcome aboard, Doug and Tanya. You know what I mean? Uh, say that again. That last song we said. Yeah. Sang, it said a, a new and fresh anointing. Yeah. Walk through it. Walk through it. There yeah. Yep. And it struck me. Amen. Like, and that's what it is. That's what they're here. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, yes. And, and you know what I mean? This thing is going to take uh, some time to develop. And, and they, got, they got vision, you know, and, and the process. Where we're asking everybody to, you know what I mean, to embrace, get behind. And, and let's, let's, let's go ahead and have a, a youth department, you know what I mean, uh, that will facilitate what God is doing. God told us, he says, if you'll take care of them, I'll bring, okay? Well, sometimes we have to, you know, get the, 
caretaker ready. You know what I mean? To take care of what we have so that he can even bring some more. So, anyway, um, uh, in last October, September, whatever, God spoke to my heart and said, I want you to bring the Davids in out of the field. And, you know, uh, uh, I didn't have a picture of, you know, who he was talking about, you know what I mean? But just then, he, he put Doug in my heart, just dropped him right in my heart. So, uh, you know, he's been working, he's been facilitating, you know what I mean, the father's sheep and in folds, and, and now, you know what I mean, they're going to help us facilitate uh, this. And so... Uh, we need all the parents' help and cooperation and support for them. And he'll be talking to people, you know what I mean? And, you know, and Doug's a good team for me because Doug's a go-getter, all right? Doug's not afraid to step up to you, you know? I'm not a confronter, you know what I mean? It's, it's just, just the way I am. I have to just live with that, you know what I mean? I'm not going to get in your face, you know? If you can't get it... Let the prophet come along and point his finger at you. <laughs> I got one of those over here, you know, Sister Joanne, you know what I mean? I just love the anointing because she's, she's got that prophetic anointing and let you know, hey, you know, you need to stop that. You need to get it right. You know? And I'm just going to hug you, you know? Now, I'll do more than that. But anyway. But anyway, we want to have a church. A church that champions the cause of Christ. We must champion the cause of Christ. It says that Jesus, Paul said, you know, Christ came into the world to save sinners. And the next phrase he acknowledges that I'm the worst of us sinners. And I think that when we understand that we're sinners and that, that I, don't care, I don't care how far along you've been, you know what I mean, it wasn't for the grace of God, you know, that's what you would be. And so therefore, we need to have a compassion for the sinner. You know? And I don't even know, maybe this is wrong. You know, maybe I'm not, maybe we shouldn't even tell them they're sinners. I don't know. We need to tell them Jesus saves and maybe they can get a hold of it. <laughs> I wonder if that's me. <laughs> you know, Jesus saves. What is it? What's he save? You know? Anyway, that champions the cause of Christ. And one of the causes of Christ is relationship. Relationship. Not only, you know what I mean? It's relationship with the Father through your Son, Jesus Christ, and through the Holy Spirit. I think Blair tells me this more than anybody. He says, as he witnesses and he goes out, he says, it's so amazing. Everybody says, I didn't even know you could have a relationship with Jesus. What's that? You know? Well, a relationship that he says that, 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 that is such in, on a spiritual realm, on a spiritual basis, that, that it's, it's a lot like a husband and wife. To get some dynamics in the picture of it. It's, that's how close it is, and that's how, how sharing it is. It's like a husband and wife. So championing the cause of Christ is relationship, not only with him, but his relationship, you know, with each other. Whole, bona fide, I love you, I care about you. You know? Because John said this, he said, you know, you can't say you love Jesus and hate your brother that you can see. You just can't do it. Now, I don't know why that is. He said it. So the person you're probably going to hate is not the guy you can't see. It's the person that rubs you the wrong way. I don't like him. That's what he's saying, you know? Don't worry about the missionary in the other field. You don't, you're not going to dislike him. Worry about the guy that sits next to you in church. Relationship. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't have any need of you. We really need each other. And none of us, we should, none of us should think that we're, we're everything, we got it all. 
Yeah. I can see pretty good, but I can't hear too good. <laughs> well, it's just a practical, you know. Sometimes that, that's the case. You can see, but you can't hear. Sometimes you've got hands, but you really don't, can't understand. So you champion the cross of Christ. Encouraging everyone to be all that God has called them to be. Yeah. We don't always know what that is in the beginning of the journey. But if I could just point out some of the things that, that, that you know, have, have blessed me from various individuals, and I'm not going to go through you all, you know what I mean? Glenda just blesses me because, you know, the faith that she just, you know, demonstrates as she walked this. There's somebody you need to pray for, and he's already on the prayer list, but Diana Nash. Now, everybody knows, most everybody knows what she's been through, you know what I mean? And she's right in a major, major difficulty right now. But they've been with me for 30-some years, and the one thing that is, is troublesome and a trial-oriented as her life has been, whenever I see her, you know what I mean? She's still got a confession of faith. And that just blesses me. Because I got it easy. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't, I don't have horror stories. And thank God I don't have horror stories. But I've seen what people that have horror stories, you know what I mean? That they still can retain their faith in confidence in Jesus Christ. It doesn't work out like they hoped. And didn't happen like they prayed for. You know what I mean? Like Job says, though he slay me, yet I'm going to trust him. Remember, she's not to the other side yet. Wait till she gets to the other side. A church that's big enough to dream, yet personal enough for everyone to find their place. In other words, it's just not about my dream. It's about your dream. It's about you. It really is. The dream that you have. That's more important to me. And so a church that's big enough to dream, but yet a church that is not wrapped up in itself and in its dream. Determined not to be Lord over God's heritage, but to be a facilitator of the dreams of people. The neat thing about dreams is when they're fulfilled in people's lives, is that a whole lot more people get blessed than just the dreamer. Go ahead, put your hands together. That was a good one. Yep. (laughs) Amen. When your dream comes true, you're not the only one that gets blessed. The dreamer is all kinds of people. Gets blessed, you know. You watch people walk through the shopping centers or down the streets. You can see the dreamer and the non-dreamer. You really can. Especially if you can go ahead and look at their eyes, the countenance in their eyes. You know what I mean? Not everyone that has their head down is not not, not a dreamer. Don't get me wrong. You know what I mean? But you just spend some time and you look at them. You can see if they've got any dreams or not. Because it affects, you know what I mean, virtually, you know, affects how you walk. Affects how you hold yourself. Affects the smile on your face. You know, it affects your response that you have toward people. You know, you can't let the obstacles get in the way of of your dream and how you're dreaming. 
There will be obstacles that get in your way that you have to overcome. But don't let the obstacle become the dictator and the interpreter interpreter of your dream. Ask my physicians to come, because this is a three-part series. Just getting started. Just throw a couple of them out to you. The biggest one in launching is Doug and Tanya, of course. A worshiping church that reflects a passion for Christ that others sense his magnificence in power. Not interested in just what a beautiful voice you have. I'm not interested in you conveying what a mighty God you have. Now, I love good just as well as anybody. But the idea is, do they sense Jesus? Does the Holy Spirit just seem to put his amen on it? A church that the scripture says in Revelations that Jesus himself walks in the midst of her. Seven gold stones to candlesticks. I'm not here to be judged by the churches down the street. Neither do I want you to judge us by the churches down the street. Are there better churches? Absolutely. Is there a better church for me? No, there isn't. You see, are there families that have more riches than the Don Schultz family? Monetarily? Absolutely. Absolutely. But this is my heritage. They're my kids. That's what God is... I'm like Jacob. These are the children God has given me. Hallelujah. You hear what I'm saying this morning? You know? And God has surrounded you with, with something. You know? Let it have value. He's purchased the church with his own blood. He says, I, there it is on the earth. In order for it to come out full force for what it really is. How many know that when, whenever a, a jewel or whatever is taken out, it, it's not in its finest form until the master gets done with it. So he says it's a glorious church without spot and without wrinkle. That's not just a period church. That's a church of all the ages through all the ages finally finalized by the man and the one who bought the field. A church that loves God, loves people, and loves life. You can love God and love people, but here I want to encourage you. You need to start loving life. Start loving life. It's catchy. It's a disease we all need to get. (laughs) Love life. Love life. Remember the story I told you, read to you, about the, I forget his name now, but anyway, one of our presidents, yeah, he said, met him on the street and asked him, how was... How's John doing? Well, John is just doing great. But then, however, the house that John's living in is not doing so well. Fact is, I wouldn't be surprised if before the winter is done, John might move out. Yeah. Sometimes what's around you it might not be 
most exciting, but life is. Because I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. As a church, we need to begin to attach everything because every good and perfect gift, all the blessings that come in life, hallelujah. I don't care if they come by the hand of some ruthless person. If they come, we need to attach it to God and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because the one thing that he said, he says, I'm going to even make your enemies your footstool, so you're going to be surprised (laughs) at what your footstool is made out of. Put your feet on it anyway. Stand with me this morning. (laughs) Amen. There's a new, there's an open door. We'll do it this morning. Hallelujah. Everybody, 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 don't care where you're at, in the season of life. God opens doors for you. And if you walk through it, he, you're going you're gonna to find anointing on the other side. One of the doors he opened for me was not something outside. He says, son, I said, I want you to just relax. Huh, that's a door? It was for me. Just relax, son. Just relax. Hallelujah. Be anxious for nothing. But with prayer and thanksgiving, let all your requests be made known. I believe in intercession. I believe in prayer. But I also believe that there's times when we just leave it at the altar. <laughs> Amen? Yeah, let's leave it there. Nothing more said. Nothing more to do. Just... Okay, God. Give me a passage of Scripture, and I'll close with this one. He said, you know, by and large, you know what I mean? You you worry about a lot of things, and you're frustrated about this. He says, but my word says that except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wakes in vain. Why don't you go to sleep? There's a time when you wake up and it's the Holy Spirit and other times, you know what I mean? It's just pure you. Go back to sleep. Because except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wakes in vain. You can have the greatest vigil there is, but there is one and only one that literally the bottom line is that keeps it, and that is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That does not promote nonchalantness, no. But just resting in the promise of the Holy Spirit. And except the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. It's not me and Jesus. It's Jesus and me. Amen? When we were saying that before, the Lord spoke to my heart. You need to tell the people this. So many times we, we interpret things... You know what I mean? Somehow it has to have a, a you know, a, kind of a, 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 a church connection, spiritual connection. Everything has to be the, the gospel and per se, you know what I mean? And yet God is saying, you know what I mean? He says, God is, God is setting people up in places, you know, vocations, doors, and opportunities of influences are, are, are happening. That person that you meet, you know what I mean? It's not just by chance. No. God sets it up. He puts them, he puts them, that's an open door. That's an open door. You're gonna have, you're gonna have anointing and greater influences. You know what I mean? And, and you know, is the, is the world just gonna change because of it? Not necessarily. You know, but you're gonna have an input. You know? You're gonna be able to let your light shine just a little bit in a dark place. And to be able to throw some healing element, you know what I mean? And some, sometimes, you know what I mean? It's like this, you get with people, you know, and of course as a preacher, you know, I have a lot of advantages, you know what I mean? Because people know that they, they, gotta, they don't swear and they don't do this and they don't do that around preachers, you know what I mean? And so all of a sudden they stop all that, you know? Well, that's good salt, you know? Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's preservation. You're holding them up a little bit. At least you're getting a message. And that's what you do. That's what you do.
brighten the corner where you're at. Don't worry about, you know what I mean? I'm not going to the mission field. That's okay. It's okay. God calls some to the mission field. God calls some to stay home. Just, just, you know, just be. So the open door, you know what I mean? Change, he's saying, change your, your visual, your image of what the open door is. Okay? Change it. And just go ahead and you'll feel it. Amen? Amen. As you go with God, God's going to go with you. Amen. He's got your hand. He's going to lead you. And, you know, just wait upon him. Wait upon him. Don't be in a hurry. He'll get you there. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. See, that's meaning you need to have the right pace at the right time. God bless you. God bless 2017.